Welcome to the Learning Paths podcast from Harvard Medical School's HMX online learning team, featuring conversations with healthcare students, teachers, and professionals on their educational experiences and career journeys. I'm your host, Ben Rubenstein. There are many steps on the path to a doctoral degree, and it's not always clear how to get from one to the next. Ana Castillo Orozco has made the most of her experiences, whether working in the lab, teaching students, or taking a wide variety of courses to learn more about her chosen field. In this episode, Ana shares how her proactive approach has helped her in pursuing a PhD in human genetics. So Ana, thank you so much for joining me here today. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like from looking at your your history and your you know what you've studied, the the kinds of roles you've had so far, it seemed like you've known you were interested in science and wanted a career in science for for some time. Would you say that's that's right? Yes, yes. Um, if I can tell you a little bit about my background, is that uh, first uh, I studied biotechnology engineering in Mexico. And I focused on molecular biology. And at that time, I used to, I got very interested in cancer because we used to read papers or we used to have lectures about the biology and genetics uh, implicated in, in cancer development. But I never knew the disease beyond that because luckily I didn't, uh, I didn't meet any, any patients with the disease and I didn't have any relatives affected. So, that was all the knowledge I had at the time. So when I graduated, I got involved in a nonprofit organization to help children with cancer. And those children were very special because uh, they came from families with low income. So they, they didn't have any financial means to access healthcare. So this organization uh, tried to give support to those children by providing chemotherapy services, uh, by providing uh, drugs and attention to them. And for example, um, we had a school because, as you know, uh, uh, these children came from very remote areas in Mexico. And so to, to come to the city for treatment, they had to quit school. So we have a school in that, um, in that place. So it was, it was amazing. And, and my, my role in there was uh, I was lab technician and I used to, um, to perform tests to determine the type of cancer in this, in, in this context. Uh, the most common of cancer that we have was leukemia. So I, I had to, to determine which type of leukemia the patient had. And based on that, the oncologist provided like the right chemotherapy protocol. But I think this place was unique because, uh, I have been in many labs, but this is this did was this was the only place where I could really interact with with patients with the children. I used to talk with them. I used to have lunch with them, and I had I saw uh, too many things. Like I had so many experiences, and I think that was is uh, this is really it has like a profound impact on me. It was like a critical point to decide what I wanted to do in, in, in the future. So I decided like I wanted to, to study cancer, but pediatric cancer and to, to help children. And, and, and uh, I remember that 
At that time, I was very interested in genetics and, and personalized medicine. So that's after uh, after finishing my um, my experience in that place, I moved to, to to the United Kingdom where I did my master degree in genomic medicine, and then I got uh, experience a little bit of experience in in bioinformatics and all that, and. Um, I was very interested in in brain tumors because also we had in that in that organization we have many children with brain tumors so I wanted to to study more on that but um the the uh, uh, luckily I could find a supervisor in Manchester that worked with brain tumors but it was not a brain a, a tumor that really affected uh, children so I wanted to to focus more on pediatric cancer so that's uh, when I uh, I found that Canada had like a very strong component in in in, in the study of pediatric brain tumors, and specifically there is a, a very aggressive tumor that affects. It's the most common in, in children. Uh, it's a tumor that grows in the cerebellum. So uh, I I ma- I made my way to McGill University, where I I'm currently doing my PhD. Uh, uh, in human genetics, and we work and 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 in this in this tumor, in this pediatric tumor, and I and I work in bioinformatic analysis, and we try to understand how this uh, tumor evolves to metastasis, and we can find like better ways to to treat this 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 disease. Oh yeah, I can see how that formative experience led you along to to take on increasing focus in this field. I'm curious whether at any point, especially as you were, you know, working so closely with patients, whether you thought about taking, you know, a clinical path versus more of a research path and sort of how you see, you know, whether there was a point at which you decided to focus on one more more than another. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, because we there we have like so many uh, in that place we have many patients with different types of cancer. We have uh, leukemia, with we have brain tumors, but and we have retinoblastoma, we have osteosarcoma. So that's like the main, main uh, the main kinds of cancers uh, cancers uh, implicated in in pediatric cancer. But my my boss was working with with brain tumors, and I remember that. He he was trying to uh, pro, uh, to establish a research project based on on brain tumor and, 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 and medulloblastoma. So I really got very interested because he gave me a lot of papers about that, and I tried to. And he, I remember that I was um, I was like reticent because I wasn't sure that brain tumor was like the topic that I wanted to but then he invited me to prepare a poster for a conference at the time and I started to get more involved in this type of cancer so and 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 I also saw like the applications the clinical applications uh, that for example knowing because it's very interesting because knowing which uh uh Depending on the biology of the tumor, you can personalize treatment because this tumor is very complex. So that's why like, I, I was like, very interested in this type of tumor and also interested in the way that uh, clinical, like an intersection of research and clinical, uh, clinical context can uh, uh, um, promote or can give rise to a translational research. Like, like it's like 
doing what you know in, or what you find out in the lab and try to ext- use this information to implement the, uh, that in the clinic. So that's why like, I found very, uh, I, I was very attracted to, the, to, to this disease and to the intersection of clinical and research uh, or components. Yeah, so I, yeah, it was uh, for me. It was important that 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 period in my life. I think is it was critical to decide that I wanted to to do that. And once you went on to your to complete your master's degree, I I think you also began teaching around some of these topics. Is that right? Around genetics, at least. So what what was that experience like? And was that kind of always part of the plan, or or something completely new? A uh, good question. Um, well. Uh, I think that uh, learning has always been uh, a very strong component in my life. And I think I, uh, we will never stop learning new things every day. And for me, I think that there is no better way for learning than teaching. And I love, I love teaching and I love like promoting like um, information or to, uh, that could be useful at some point uh, to, my, to my students. But um, I was at the time I was very interested in going right away from uh, from my master's to my PhD. But um, but I in in the meantime that I was like trying to to apply for my PhD, I struggled a little bit because I wanted to save money. Because when you apply for for all the universities and you need to you need to pay a lot of, of application fees, uh, TOEFL exams, and all that. So I, I, I wanted to, to save money, so I tried to find a job in Mexico. But um, sometimes in Mexico it's difficult to find a job because there, is, there are not many opportunities in, uh, in, uh, uh, to find jobs based on biological sciences. I tried to, to find jobs like based on what I, I, uh, I, what I did in, in Manchester. I tried to find a job, but no, I couldn't. So... But I had the opportunity to 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 get involved as a lecturer uh, at my former university where, where I did my undergrad, and then I, I in that in that intersection between my master's and PhD, I I used to to give uh, lectures on genetics, and uh, and I also like since I had a little bit uh, more of time to to do that, that's that's when I took the HMX courses. And I was amazed because I took uh, I took the immunology and the pharmacology fundamental courses, um, and it was uh, they were super useful in because they have they provided like a, a lot of animations and, and I think the most thing that I appreciated from these uh, from these courses is that they had like an videos from real patients, and I remember that for it was the immunology course. That they they provided a video about a person who was about to receive a CAR T cell therapy, and it was for me the first time that I that I, that I have seen that because you you usually uh, see that therapy you use it through diagrams on the website and through descriptions, but you never see in real life like the the doctor up, up really applying the therapy to the patient, and that was very useful for me because when I um, uh, so those videos and I explained to my students how the CAR T therapy was performed and, and how it was done they were really amazed so yeah for me it was like uh, 
I like um, you learn, uh, but also you at the same time you you learn by teaching and promoting this uh, this knowledge to the students. And it's, it's very, for me it's like very fulfilling to see like also the students get motivated or get inspired or get amazed by all the technology that is uh, currently being done in the in this context or in, in this case of cancer treatment. And I know you've you know the HMX courses aren't the only online courses that you've taken. I think you've you've done a number of them. And, you know, I wonder what about these sorts of opportunities appeals to you? Obviously, right now, online learning is, is something that a lot of people around the world are doing out of uh, necessity. You were, you know, you were taking online courses prior to when you maybe necessarily needed to, right? So what kind of stands out to you as why you chose to take the courses that you have? Is there anything in particular that you you look for when trying to find these new learning experiences? Is it about the specific topics you really un, you know you need to learn more about? Or is there something else that, that really stands out to you? Uh, I think there's, um, there's so many things because I remember that my first interaction with online learning was Coursera. And I remember that I saw like there were so many um, and so many uh, courses from a wide range of topics that I was very interested in, because sometimes, um, for example, uh, in when I was under an undergrad student, I couldn't like uh, fulfill like my 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 interests. I, I, I didn't. I, I I don't want to say that the classes were not good, but sometimes I I wanted to learn more about the topic and and so when I realized that there was that, that, that there was this opportunity to take online courses from from top ranked universities and from from great teachers and professors and I think that the the thing that I enjoy the most is that you, that you can learn at your pace and that you if you don't understand anything you can um, give like pause and and repeat the video and something that for example I don't know but when you are like in the when I was like in in, in my classes as an undergraduate student it's like oh my god I didn't understand this topic and I, I you're lost and you 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 lost the track and then you need like to to find out uh, what was the class about and that and with this type of, of online or learning experience I didn't have any issues because and and because I, I I could see like on my at my own pace, and also for example I can I can see them at any time that I I want to to learn because sometimes you are you you are very tired at, at the time of the, of the class of the real class, so this is like this is the thing that you want to do at that particular moment, and also I I, I enjoy the animations or, or the, the the slides where like I enjoy like those slides were were very of high quality and also. I enjoy that every every courses of, of of this style they have like a lot of applications and and re, um, for the readings with a lot of material. So yeah, I was like um, for me it was and I think since 2013 that I think that was the year that I learned uh, that I learned about Coursera. I never stopped like taking online courses. Uh, online, so I also took. I have taken courses from from EDX, from uh, Future Learn, 
and yeah and of course hmx so yeah the, they are they have been a very strong component in my learning process along my career mm -hmm. and do, and do you think now that now that you're in this phd program at mcgill does what you've learned in those those various courses you feel like it still comes up it still is is relevant and is helpful to you Oh, it, 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 uh, all the time that they are super useful. I for for example, um, all for uh, right now I I need to uh, present a work about epigenetics, and I took a, a course of epigenetics in, in a, a couple of years ago, and it has been tremendously useful to understand that the uh, all the concepts that I need to uh, to prepare for for the work that I'm currently doing. So yes, yes, and for example, another thing is like I also started to to have classes about bioinformatics, and also they were very useful when I got into my master degree and we started to see softwares and all that. And I um, and I was I wasn't completely lost because I already have an idea of all of of all that knowledge. And yeah, and also the HMX courses, the immunology has been very useful. Uh, to understand a lot of things when I I read papers about that topic and 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 uh, for my for my research project. Yeah, I, th I think that's great that you've been proactive about understanding things that maybe you know you're not just letting your programs that you've been in kind of just dictate. Okay, this is all I need to know, and then I can move on to the next step. But you know, here are other things that are probably going to be useful. How can I get those outside of what what else I'm doing? So I think that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned kind of that period after you completed your master's and were interested in doing the PhD, and that you know there are a lot of steps to go through. There's there's a lot of cost, and I guess for for others who might be considering doing a PhD, going down that path, you know whether in your specific field or others, you know are there things you think about now that you could have done differently or, or just ways that you would suggest that people kind of prepare for what is likely to be a, not, not just a simple path. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. It can, it can, um, it looks like this is a straightforward process, but it's not, um, it's like, it's very difficult. Uh, it took me around one year and a half or around two to uh, get involved finally into a PhD and basically because you need to see many things and I think the most important is like you need to see uh, you need to be very uh, like as you have to have a strong desire a strong uh, determination to to pursue a PhD because it's not easy it's not easy to 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 get uh, to get into one and once you are inside that the, also the path is not easy so you need like to to be very uh, consistent with all the steps that you need to do if you want to uh, if you want to pursue a doctor degree, but basically is what um, uh, once you once you are like uh, once you have that determination, you need to to see like which country or which university or because you also you need to find like a, a good supervisor that can um, you need to have a very good chemistry with your supervisor because that this is a person who you are going to work with 
for the following five or six years. So I think the most important is like to find a project that you love, find a, a project that is going to be supervised by a person that is uh, has a good relationship with you. And and I think that uh, I I think for me the the most uh, important part was when you. When I, when, I, when I was writing my email to, to uh, get in contact for the first time for my current supervisor, and I was so nervous because I didn't know how to, how to write that email. I didn't know what to include, and I didn't know how much time it would take to, uh, for her to respond me back. And so, yeah, it was a lot of things. But I remember that I saw in the website, there's a, a huge number of templates, like how do I approach my supervisor? How, how to contact a future supervisor? And I remember that I merged all the recommendations and I, I merged all in a single mail. And, 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 I, and I remember when I was ready, uh, I sent it back. Um, sorry, I, I said it. And, and I remember she replied, like one hour after I had sent it and she told me there was a student available uh, position uh, and so I was very very happy about it but when I talked with her I was very nervous because she told me that probably um, I was not going to um, be in his lab in his lab because there were another five applicants so uh, she told me that I'm going to continue with my interview. So I will tell you if, if you get in or, or uh, I will help you in the future if there is some, perhaps another person in Maguila that can take you. So um, yeah, it was a difficult time of the, the waiting process. But I finally, yeah, I, I was lucky that uh, uh, she told me that I was go go good to go. And then I, I applied for the scholarship. And that's another thing that you need to to be very, uh, we need to, I suggest like to have like an Excel file with all the deadlines because you have deadlines to apply for a PhD and then deadlines to apply for a scholarship and then deadlines or if you want, if you, if you see, for example, the start of your program and you need to be in that country, in that, that, that place by that time, you need to apply for the visa before. So you need to see all these, all these steps. So it, it takes time. And sometimes it's not very straightforward, and and yeah, it's like a trial and error. It's like, um, and I remember that McGill was not like the the only university. I remember I, I applied for other universities as well. So it's okay to receive a no. It's it's just a matter of keep trying and until you find um, a, uh, a project that matches that, uh, with what you want to do and the person that has a, a good chemistry, the supervisor. So, yeah, but it's, it's, it's difficult. And well, for me, it took me that period of time. Probably there will be people that it will take less of time because perhaps it's not going to, uh, they're going to pursue a PhD in the same country that they, they are in or, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, don't get, uh, to stress if this process is too long or sometimes things uh, do not result as you expect. So it's it's trial and uh, an error thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'm glad it uh, you know it's ended up working out for you, and you it sounds like you're um, you found a good fit, and the program has been good for you so far. 
I know it probably feels like a, a while off before you're you're finished, but I wonder if you've kind of thought about what comes after. Will you be heading back to Mexico? Will you, you know thinking about teaching research? Uh, do you know what what direction you want to head after you complete your degree? Yes, uh, I would like to pursue my postdoctoral um, degree after after I finish my PhD. But I, I also I am very keen to explore uh, other areas. So, for example, right now, like uh, learning and teaching um, are remain like very important in my, my in my academic life so right now i am uh, trying to promote the development of bioinformatics in latin america so i i i want to keep exploring uh to de- uh to keep developing workshops uh to because as you know, this thing of of cancer genomics and all that it it is it, it is not possible without all the personal and training and that you need to and you need bioinformaticians to keep uh, doing this type of analysis and if you want to really have a good impact in in this area you need to have more pe- more more people in Latin America that works in this area so that's why like I realized that this is like a huge area of opportunity so I am planning like to to uh, to keep promoting this the, the education to of, of this field in because right now I think I have been able to give workshops and uh, that have uh, which have impacted like uh, uh, I think twenty two countries in Latin America so I have I have had people from from Bolivia from Argentina from Peru from Colombia and all that. So and of of course Mexico. So I'm planning to to keep working on that and and build a, a strong community in bioinformatics. So by the time that I can um, I can use all these resources and communities to really establish uh, research projects or collaboration projects with all uh, with all these people and probably like trying to do more. Um, about the children with cancer in Mexico or in another Latin America country. So that's like what I'm thinking that I, it could be in the future. That's very exciting. That's uh, it's great that you have those goals of such uh, significant impact across so many different countries. And that's that's exciting. So I will definitely look forward to checking back in with you and, and seeing how that's how that's going and, and learn more about that effort. That seems really important. Well, thank you uh, so much for for taking the time today just to to walk me through uh, all your experiences, and you know I think they've led up to some some really great things, and I think your path is really going to serve as inspiration and just information for so many people who are looking to pursue their various interests related to science. So so thank you so much, and uh, and good luck. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Learning Paths, produced by the HMX Online Learning Team at Harvard Medical School. To hear more episodes, visit us at onlinelearning.hms.harvard.edu or subscribe in your favorite podcast app.